Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox hosted by Richard Lummis. What makes a great leader? Is it genetic or can you learn leadership skills? Join Tom Fox and Richard Lummis in this podcast where they consider leadership from a wide variety of perspectives, academic, behavioral science, history, popular culture, the movies, and much more. You'll learn about specific tactics and strategies that you can bring to your own leadership toolkit. 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In the past, we've done podcasts discussing numerous presidents of the United States, including many of the lesser known ones. Researching the careers of these men has given us a number of surprises, and I've come away impressed by some of the people I thought were pretty much non-entities. Another surprise to us is that we have not yet covered George Washington, probably because he's so well-known we simply overlooked him. However, despite having read several biographies about him, looking at his career from a leadership perspective has given me a new appreciation for our first president. His career was lengthy and varied, so we've split it into four podcasts. The first dealing with his experience as a young man during the conflict I grew up calling the French and Indian War. The second will deal with his role as general of the armies during the American Revolution. Third, with his role in the Constitutional Congress and the Constitutional Convention, I'm sorry, Continental Congress. And the fourth with his presidency. Uh, George was born in 1732, the eldest son of Augustine Washington's second marriage. Um, although he had two half-brothers from a prior marriage. The family was relatively prosperous until his father died when he was 11, and he never had more than the equivalent of elementary school in the way of formal education. At 16, he joined a team of surveyors working in the Shenandoah Valley region, which was then still part of the Wilderness West. When he was 18, his half-brother Lawrence, 14 years his senior, contracted tuberculosis, George accompanied him to Barbados for the climate, which seems an odd choice to me, but Lawrence died. It was the only time George left what is now the United States. On his return, he lobbied for Lawrence's old post commanding the local militia, and despite having absolutely no military training, he was awarded it. The French and Indian War, also known as the Seven Years' War, was a global conflict primarily between France and Great Britain. In North America, the British basically controlled the Atlantic seaboard, but the French and their Indian allies controlled the inland waterways, including the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River. Of more importance to the British, by 1753, they were infiltrating the Ohio River Valley into what's now Pennsylvania, building forts. Virginia Governor Robert Dinwiddie asked Washington to lead a diplomatic expedition to warn the French to abandon their forts. He undertook a 500-mile trek through the wilderness, which was a failure, because although the French commander at the fort received him cordially, he declined to abandon the fort. On his return, Washington published a journal of his travels, which gave him a considerable amount of celebrity, and he was promoted to second-in-command of the Virginia Regiment. Dinwiddie sent him back to complete a fort located at the Forks of the Ohio uh, in present-day Pittsburgh, On the way there, they found out the French had already captured the fort. Washington received word from one of his Indian allies, an Iroquois named Tanagrisson, that the French were coming to attack him. What happened next on May 28th is disputed, but what is clear is that the French commander, Ensign Joseph Coulon de Villiers de Jumonville, was killed. According to the French, he was delivering a peaceful diplomatic summons to the British. 
Tom, um, this incident and and the subsequent uh, incident at Fort Necessity, which I guess I should cover now. Um, sorry, backtrack. Uh, Washington retreated to an area called the Great Meadows and built Fort Necessity, which was badly sited due to surrounding hills. That's an odd mistake for a surveyor. On July 3rd, it was attacked by 600 French soldiers with 100 Indian allies commanded by Captain Villiers, Jumonville's older brother. After suffering severe casualties, Washington accepted the French terms for surrender. Unfortunately, the document of surrender actually stated the French were acting to avenge the assassination of Jumonville. This ignorance of French, pouring rain, darkness, and an incompetent translator all contributed to the debacle. But basically, this started the Seven Years' War. Tom, what do you uh, want to take about from this about a 22-year-old Virginian starting a world war? So um, this, uh, this was one of the really interesting things that I frankly was not aware of. The, um, the massacre at what's now called Jumonville Glen. Uh, Jumonville, of course, was, as you uh, correctly noted, the French commander. But if I could perhaps take a step back, uh, when I proposed this series to you, I thought we would garner leadership lessons really throughout Washington's career. And what I found in researching for this podcast about his early years in the French and Indian War were not really leadership lessons, but perhaps some character values or uh, personality traits that we see uh, fully more uh, developed later. Um, The one thing that struck me uh, about the early years of Washington was his ambition. Um, As you noted, also, he lobbied successfully to take over the Virginia militia from the Governor Dimwilde with really no experience other than being a surveyor. And, um, you know, throughout this podcast series, we've obviously talked about many different forms of leadership. I'm not sure we've ever focused on ambition as as a key component of every leader. Um, And the, the thing that struck me is it's okay to have ambition. And it's okay to be ambitious. It's ambitious. It's okay to lobby for yourself. And we saw George Washington do this, if at least by the 1750s, uh, perhaps even earlier in the 1740s. Um, so that was sort of the first thing that that struck me uh, here. Uh, and also, I, I I had thought his role in the French and Indian War was really around his surrender, and then of course the massacre that we'll get to a little bit later. But no, it, it really was this um, Jumonville Glen. Uh, I guess you would just have to call it a skirmish. I think 15 Frenchmen died as a result of the attack by Washington and his troops. And uh, we're going to cite in our show notes to some of the resources we both researched for this. And it turns out that Washington may have actually fired the first shot. Um, literally the shot around the world as this was the First World War. Uh, and I, I was really stunned to find that out. Um, there was a massacre of, of uh, Frenchmen at this juncture, in addition to the killing of uh, Jumont, uh, and uh, that got blamed on Washington. I was not aware of that story. He blamed it on poor communications with his Indian allies. Um, other research we both read indicated that uh, there was a lot going on, or may have been a lot going on, and the Indians uh, really struck their own road uh, for their own reasons in their uh, killing of French 
soldiers who were wounded and then scalping the, the French soldiers they had killed. Nevertheless, it became a very large sore point between the French and the British, uh, really, which I, I was not aware of. His role in Fort Necessity, uh, where he surrendered the fort, uh, poorly planned, uh, constructed fort, but to a much larger French force, uh, and that may have been the, uh, the as pivotal a reason as any, uh, humiliated Washington. And uh, back at that time, I guess, uh, even today, perhaps, uh, the surrender of a military unit is is viewed as extraordinarily negative. Yet Washington, I think, learned from that, and, and we'll talk about that in his generalship. That led to the um, Braddock's attempt to retake Fort Necessity, uh, Braddock's defeat, and, and the, the massacre, uh, where Braddock was uh, surrounded by a superior force of Indians. Uh, Braddock was killed, and two-thirds of his men were killed. Washington displayed great courage, and I don't think that can be underestimated, uh, at uh, this site. Um, he um, is noted to have had several um, wounds, not wounds, bullets, holes through his clothes. Uh, I think his saddle was shot as well, and this really helped restore his reputation. Uh, none of the reading I, uh, ha- research I did indicated he did this consciously, as some other officers did, most particularly in the Civil War. But um, the great courage he displayed in, in this uh, tragic engagement really helped, I think, restore his reputation uh, as well. Um, did you? What were some of your thoughts around uh, these issues? Well, I, I, I totally agree about his um, his role in Braddock's campaign. One of the things that struck me uh, is a recurring uh, theme in his leadership is. Uh, he was often extremely aggressive, and you know his attack on the French, I think, is, is an early example of that. Um, I think you're right from our reading. It was fairly clear there was a lot going on in the Ohio River Valley whose context Washington did not understand at the time. The surrender was, I, I thought, just a, a fascinating example because um, the descriptions of it, it's nighttime, you're surrounded by... Uh, wounded and dead people uh, screaming. It's pouring rain. The document is given to you. You've got an elementary school education. You don't speak French. Um, The ink is running in the rain, and the translator says, "It's oh, yeah, this is great. Let's sign this. Um, uh, It was was not his finest hour, I don't think. But I do think you're right that his personal courage is, uh, in Braddock's campaign, and Braddock had personally selected him as an aide to to go with him on the campaign. So there was something about him that um, still inspired confidence even after the uh, Fort Necessity disaster. So one of the things, or I guess a couple of things that we see a little bit later, I, I wondered and wanted to explore with you, were they precursors to what we saw? And when I thought through the surrender uh, we saw in the Revolutionary War uh, not Washington surrendering, obviously, but strategic retreats. And he's one of the few really, truly great military commanders who is acknowledged to have lost more battles than he won because uh, he won the important one. But uh, he uh, had losses. 
he retreated. He knew when to retreat. He, sometimes he made strategic retreats. Sometimes he retreated because uh, he was outmaneuvered or he didn't want to be outmaneuvered. Uh, but he knew, uh, for, and I often wondered if the experience of the surrender really informed his decision-making abilities later in his military career. Um, that was sort of part one. Part two was uh, early on in his career, he seemed to have, I don't want to say uh, uncontrol of his emotions, but he seemed to be uh, much more emotional than the Washington that I grew up with as the first president of our country. And uh, he, he seemed to learn to control his emotions uh, at some point, uh, either in this period of the French and Indian War, but certainly by the Continental Congress. He seemed to be uh, someone who, if, if not stiff, was perhaps charitably called aloof. And uh, I wondered if, if these experiences, uh, the death of his brother certainly impacted him greatly uh, as well, but we see these sort of play out a little bit later. Uh, you mentioned his trip to Barbados. I'm going to talk about that in, the, in terms of the Revolutionary War. Uh, that was an event I was not aware of, and it turned out it, it had some fairly significant impacts uh, during the Revolutionary War as well. So I guess, Richard, from this exploration of his early life and the French and Indian War phase of his career, I saw the beginnings of what we were labor, later able to identify as many of the great leadership traits uh, of Washington, and, and the most specific I saw, in addition to what I just articulated, was uh, great personal courage leading from the front, and in, in particularly in the massacre where Braddock went down. He didn't die immediately, but uh, command had to pass, and Washington was able to extract uh, the survivors of that massacre uh, back to the English lines. In retrospect, I guess one of the reasons he may have been so good at the strategic retreat is he started practicing early. Um, <laughs> and it was it was his poise and his command in the extraction of the survivors that I think also made his uh, his reputation uh, in, in the Braddock event. The other thing that some of the historians we've looked at said that it did was confirm his belief in his own if not invincibility, his selection by providence or uh, God for great things. Could we call that ambition today? Well, yes, but I, I think it goes beyond that. The uh, I think having the two horses shot out from under you and all the holes in your coat um, might make you think that you were lucky. And that, of course, was one of Napoleon's characteristics for selection of generals. Orchard, I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation. I do as well. So next up uh, is going to be his career during the Revolutionary War, which, again, I was familiar with the broad outlines, but uh, I think we found out some interesting things, and we hope you'll listen. For now, there's Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock High. This is Tom Fox. I hope you enjoyed part one of our four-part exploration of leadership lessons from George Washington. Please join us again next week where we take up Washington's generalship during the Revolutionary War. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll tell your friends about it as it help get the word out about this podcast on leadership. Also, if you could leave us a rating on iTunes together with a review. 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.